Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Just kidding. So if you have your YouVersion app, you can go ahead and look on that and uh, all the notes will be there for you. We're going to talk about the idea of freedom for the next two weeks, hence our Canada Day as we talk about freedom. Uh, I want to talk about the idea of uh, freedom in your life. We're going to talk about three things, three kind of uh, a journey almost, three steps or three kind of things about freedom. Two of them we'll talk about today and one of them we're going to talk about next week. But the idea of freedom is that for generations uh, upon generations, uh, there's been a desire for freedom. Freedom in people's lives, freedom from all sorts of things. And in order for us to accomplish what God has for us as a church, in order for God to accomplish what He has for us as individuals, we have to find freedom in our lives. Jesus came to bring you freedom, and so He wants you to be free. That's the heart of God for your life, is to be free. And so my heart today and next week is that you would capture the biblical concept of freedom and that you would start this journey towards seeing bondages broken in your life. But I'm not talking about this kind of freedom when the kids go to school on the first day uh, when you celebrate as a mom and dad and sitting back on your porch and celebrate. I'm not talking about this freedom when your kids go to bed finally at the same time. Uh, like this Mr. Bean one, I hope that doesn't offend you. Uh, look at the, the look you give your wife when the kids are asleep. <laughs> I'm not talking about that type of freedom that goes, you know, like my kids, I try to put them to bed and my, they kind of, we don't really have a bedtime. We say eight o'clock is the goal, uh, but we just kind of chose to not be so strict about it and just kind of, because we, sometimes we have great devotion times together and sometimes uh, it, we, I don't feel like putting them to bed and neither the steps were like, whatever, just stay up till 12, whatever. I'm just kidding. So we just kind of walk them through this thing. And, and I have to admit, it does get a little frustrating because they now get it. And so my son will be like, hey, brush your teeth. He'll be gone for like 20 minutes. Where'd you go? I was brushing my teeth, Deb. He's got a whole big Lego thing built in his, his bedroom. And I have to admit that I have this growing frustration in my spirit whenever my kids uh, don't go to bed when I want them to because all I'm thinking about is the freedom I'm about to have. I'm going to have to watch the TV show. I'm watching The Office again for the ninth time. And I want to get see if, if Jim asked Pam to, mar- Pam to marry him. And, you know, I want to get going and Steph's doing her thing. And so I start to get a little frustrated. So I'm not talking about that kind of freedom. The freedom you feel when your kids finally go to sleep and you're like, yeah, you know, that kind of freedom. For those of you who don't know that, you will experience that euphoria in the future. I am also talking about the idea of freedom that has been in the hearts of man for a long time. I mean, one of the most famous songs uh, ever written uh, was about freedom. And, uh, and, and one of the, the greatest artists in the world wrote a song about freedom. And, you know, he, it's called Looking for Freedom by David Hasselhoff. And I thought maybe it would benefit you today to maybe just hear a little bit of this. Uh, you can turn up the volume, please. I mean, there you go. But freedom I have So not that kind of freedom, thank the Lord, (laughs) David Hasselhoff. We're talking about the type of freedom in our lives that brings tremendous joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. Freedom that every one of us may not realize that we're hoping for. Many of us have maybe here today and you're a new believer or you're an old believer or maybe you're not even a believer today and you come to a place in your life where you realize, oh my gosh, there's some areas of my life where I have some bondage. There's some areas of my life where I've got some hang-ups. There's some areas of my life where I'm struggling. There's some areas of my life that I just literally cannot break through. 
and I've tried everything. And, and, and what we're going to talk about today is I want to help you conquer these areas of bondage in your life. Let's look at this kind of statement here to kind of help us understand that our freedoms are overshadowed by the enslavements of our lives. So the freedom that you want to experience, the freedom that you want to have in your life is often overshadowed by the challenges that you face, the struggles that you face, the boundaries that you face in your life. You'll find that those often are the focal point of your existence when you're created and with Christ we're intended to live a free life. So what are the chains or bondages in your life? A lot of different opportunities, or I'm sorry, different bondages of fear, guilt, or shame, or Maybe it's worry, anxiety, or depression. Maybe it's unforgiveness or bitterness or insecurity. Maybe it's financial bondage or alcohol or, or drug or food addiction. Maybe it's prejudice or poor self-image. Maybe it's uh, a regret, or deep failures of the past, or prejudice or racism. See, the main point of Jesus coming to the earth was so that you would have freedom. 700 years before Jesus was on the planet, a man named Isaiah wrote about Jesus. He prophesied this word about Jesus 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. And Jesus came on, started his ministry. I think it's funny how this is what happened because uh, this should encourage you to do this if you haven't. Jesus himself got water baptized. <laughs> Jesus himself got filled with the Spirit. Jesus himself went to church and he walked in church on Sunday and he got his Bible out and he turned to the book of Isaiah and he read the scripture. He said, the spirit of God is on me and the spirit of the Lord has, has brought me here so that to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. 700 years prior to the arrival of Jesus Christ, that scripture was written and that is the point and the purpose of Jesus coming to this planet is that you might experience continual freedom from the bondages in your life. John also, Jesus also said this in the book of John, John 8, 31 to 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. You're completely free. You're totally free. You are free. So if Jesus comes into my life and makes me free, why do I still have bondage in my life? If Jesus came to set me completely and wholly free, why do I still have these struggles? Maybe you're here today and you're like that where you feel like you're almost free. You feel like maybe, maybe you're, you're, you have financial freedom, but, but at the same time, you're carrying these chains of depression and anxiety. Maybe, maybe you, have, you, you walk into this great freedom in your marriage right now, but you, but you have this deep sexual addiction that you just can't seem to break. Maybe you're, you, you have the freedom of a great career and a, a really great family, but you have the chains of drug addiction or challenges in your life. Maybe you have the freedom and gifting of talent and vision, but every time you try to step out with that talent and that gifting and that vision, shame and guilt overwhelm you to a point where you can't move forward. Why is it that even though Jesus has set us free, we still have bondage in our life? We have to be reminded, Jesus came to the earth for you that you might experience a free life, a completely free, unfettered life. That's what Christ has for you. Many of us here today still struggle. I don't think we'll ever stop struggling until the day we die. 
But I do believe there's some things that you and I can do in our life to see some actual tangible freedom that you and I can begin to experience what Christ intended for our lives. Our key text this morning is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. And it says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure, look at this, make sure that you stay free. (laughs) And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So three things. We're going to only touch on two today. Next week will be the third one. Bring it back, hopefully. (laughs) The first one today is the idea that freedom is an encounter with God. Freedom is an experience or an encounter with God. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. The word has implies it's past tense. The word has implies there was a moment. The word has implies that something happened prior to now. He has set you free. He did set you free. He set you free. Christ has set you free. Romans 10.10. I'm just going to read some verses just so you can get this idea today. Romans 10.10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So there's a moment, there's an event where there's a belief in your heart and there's a declaration with your mouth. There is a moment, there is an encounter, there's a, there's a, a moment in your life when you make that decision that I believe in God and now I declare that he is the son of God and that he is the king of kings. It's a moment that happens in your life. A man named Nicodemus is a teacher, a, a spiritual teacher, came to Jesus one night, didn't want anyone to find out. He was asking these really simple questions. If you ever have a really simple question about God, don't ever be afraid to ask it. And if everyone, anyone ever chides you for asking a simple question about God, they're just a Pharisee, don't worry. You should be able to ask every simple question you need to ask. I've had people recently ask me very basic questions, and they say, I'm a little nervous to ask you this. I don't know what this word means. What do you mean by that? And I think, well, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. We're supposed to do this journey together. We're supposed to bring one another along together, right? Nicodemus shows up. Jesus, he was a spiritual teacher. He was a man who taught the scriptures. He came to Jesus, and he asked him this question. Jesus, he said, Jesus, how can it be that a man can be born again? I don't understand this. Help me understand this process of salvation. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And what do you mean, Nicodemus said, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb? Terrible picture. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And so something happens when you meet Jesus, there is a spiritual life. There is a spiritual freedom. You become a new person, a spiritual new man. Your old man is gone. Your new man has come. The old nature is gone. The new nature has come. On the inside, you are made a new spiritual person. You are born by the Spirit. Here's another scripture just to show you what Jesus does, that when we meet Jesus, he doesn't just transform us on the outside behaviorally first. That is a farce of many believers think that I have to start acting like a Christian. You have to first allow God to change you on the inside. You belong to Jesus. Then you begin to have faith in Jesus. And then he teaches you how to behave. If you expect people to behave like Christians before they're Christians, that's not fair. 
We have to go on a journey where we understand that there has to be a spiritual transformation on the inside of our lives before we can begin to live on the outside like a follower of God. So let me ask you a question. If you say, well, Ryan, then I've got all this stuff on the outside. Well, then we need to go back to the spiritual transformation on the inside and make sure that is legitimately happening in your life. We see here in Luke, uh, John chapter, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 8. Look at this verse. They sailed to the country of Gethsemane. Directly opposite Galilee, as he stepped out on the land, a madman from town met him. He was a victim of demons. He hadn't worn clothes, so he's butt naked for a long time. He didn't live at home, but he lived in the cemetery. Now that would be weird. Walk into a cemetery and there's a naked man running by. When he saw Jesus, he screamed, Ah! What business do you have messing with me? He bellowed. You're Jesus, the son of the high God, but don't give me a hard time. The man said this because Jesus had started to order the unclear, unclean spirit to come out of him. <laughs> Here's this guy. He's obviously crazy. He's not wearing any clothes. He's sleeping in the cemetery. Pe people are like, this guy, it's just, you know, it's, you know, that guy over there. It's just our, our, our town weirdo. Don't worry. And Jesus recognized there's a spiritual problem in his life. He doesn't just see the nakedness. He doesn't just see the fact that he hasn't been home and his mama misses him and his dad wonders where he's been. All the townspeople are thinking about the natural thing and Jesus sees, oh, there needs to be a spiritual transformation in this life's life before he can see an external transformation. And look what happens. Jesus cast the demons out of him and he cried a little bit. He said, don't send us, don't send us away. Don't destroy us. Send us into a bunch of pigs. He said, okay. So Jesus sent the demon into a bunch of pigs and the pigs ran down the street over a cliff into the water and all drowned. The townspeople heard about this, the people in the city. This was their major part of their economy. They came running to Jesus outside. Look what the scripture says. Time after, I'm sorry, I missed this part about the description about the demon. Time after time, the demon threw the man into convulsions and he had been placed under constant guard and tied with chains and shackles, but crazed and driven wild by the demon, he would shatter the bonds. <laughs> Look what happened. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in town and country. People went out to see what happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had been sent sitting there in Jesus' feet. So he's wearing, look at this, the scripture says decent clothes. He's wearing some nice clothes. It says that he's sitting there at Jesus' feet wearing decent clothes, making sense, uh, making sense in his right mind. Look at this. It was a holy moment. This man had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with God. Freedom starts by having encounter, a holy moment with Jesus. And when you have that holy moment with Jesus, what we try to do is create environments for you to have those holy moments. There is something that significantly can happen in your life. He can transform your mind. He can transform your heart. He can transform your life. He can do something new in your heart, in your mind, in your life. That's how Jesus works. He recognizes there's something on the inside of your life, not just your outside. Well, Ryan, you're cursing or you're doing this, or you're doing that thing or you're acting like that. All those outside natural things. Yes, we need to deal with these eventually. But let's come back to the heart where on the inside of your heart your spirit man has not been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ and in one moment he can transform you make you in your right mind give you some decent clothes and give you a new home and stop living in the death camp where you used to live but get up and live among the living once again where you can walk around and be sane in your right mind living the life that God intended for you it starts with a personal encounter with Jesus Christ Look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when we're sitting in a room singing, be lifted up, be lifted higher, becomes a holy moment. God begins to change our spirit, man. We not, not see it on the physical. Our spirit, man, begins to be changed. And it's like a veil is unveiled, and you begin to see things clearly. And it says in that moment, there is liberty. There is, there is, there is, it's, it's liberty. It's unrestraint. It's unencumbered. It's no longer a slave. A state of being free from oppressive restrictions. The power to act as God. See, that's why James says, come on, lift your hands. That's why James says, come on, lift your voices, because he knows that if you can just step into that place, position yourself to be in that atmosphere of God, I cannot fabricate this experience for you. We cannot create it. We cannot make it. I cannot say, hey, if you come up to the front, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to have an encounter with God. I can't charge you five easy payments of $9.99 to our bank account. I can't sell you holy water. I cannot create this experience for you. You have to position yourself in the atmosphere of God, in the place of your driving down in your car, in your home. You have to create a moment for God to come. He wants to come, but he needs a willing heart, a willing vessel to say, okay, God, I'm not just going to wait for you to come. Notice it said, when the person turns to the Lord, when someone turns to the Lord, not when God turns someone, he does something. When we turn ourselves and create space for God to come, a holy moment happens. God comes in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, in a second, he transforms your life forever. Freedom starts with an encounter with God. But you have to position yourself. That's why we have times of worship. That's why we have our pursue nights. That's one of our missions as a church, one of our purposes, one of our red hot whys is to create environments where people can experience and express the love of Jesus. Environments where you can experience God like never before. Well, Ryan, where do we find those? You find those on Sunday morning. You find those on our pursuit nights. Every first and third Wednesday, we just worship the Lord and say, God, we want a holy moment with you. In our small groups, avenue after avenue of moments where you can go to create space for a holy moment between you and God. And so the first thing is, is that freedom is an encounter. Let's keep going. Spend the rest of our time on this one here, freedom is a choice. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Look at this. Now make sure. Make sure that you stay free. Sounds like Paul's putting a lot of onus on the individual. You got to make sure you stay free. As I mentioned in, in 2 Corinthians there, it says that when a person chooses this, you know that word freedom? In this verse, in Galatians 5.1, actually means that you are given the power to choose. It's a really cool story, an iconic kind of uh, uh, story about Abraham Lincoln. He was uh, wanting to go and, and free, wanting to go purchase a young girl who had been on the, the slaver block to be sold into slavery. And this tall, you know, tall, lengthy um, Caucasian man walks down the road in front of all of these individuals on a stage who are being sold into slavery. There's a young girl there, and she just saw him like another man wanting to buy her and potentially abuse her or hurt her, and she was purely afraid. Abraham Lincoln stepped forward, 
And he said, I want to bid. And he bid money. And he bid money on that young girl. And finally, he won the bid and he purchased her. She comes over to him and he looks at this young girl. And he says, sweetheart, you're free. She says, I'm free. Completely free. She says, well, what does that mean? When you say I'm free, what are you saying? He says, it means you're free. She goes, does that mean that I can say whatever I want to say? You're free. Does that mean that I can be whatever I want to be? You're free. Does that mean that I can, I can, I can go wherever I want to go and act like I however I want to act? I can be my own person. I can be who I was supposed to be. You're completely free. Go and do whatever you want. And look, she looked at Abraham Lincoln and she said, I choose to go with you. That day, that young girl followed Abraham Lincoln and became a part of his family. She made a decision that when I experience freedom in my life, I will not leave the very person. I will not separate myself from the only individual that will continually give me freedom for the rest of my life. I'm going to choose to stay free in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to choose to live in the home of Jesus Christ. I'm going to choose to make my home a home of freedom. I'm going to choose to make my marriage a marriage of freedom. I'm going to make a decision that I will not allow anything in the external. I will not allow my own encumbrances or my own boundaries or my own uh, issues in my own life be a problem. I will stay free. Do you know that contractually, legally, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, you actually have something over the devil. You actually have power over him. Let's read this verse together and let the realities of what you have in Christ permeate your mind and your heart today in Romans chapter 6, 6 and 9. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. And he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Do not let. Everyone say let. Do not let. Sin control the way you live. Do not give. Everyone say give. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Notice that's a physical thing. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirement of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That is the contract that you sign. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ and you have that holy moment, he hands you this contract and says, I want you to know, now you are fully and legitimately my son and my daughter. Therefore, you have full rights to everything in my kingdom. One of those things is you are no longer subject to the dominion and the power of the evil schemes of the evil one over your life sign here you will surrender your entire life over to me but I will give you freedom I will bless you financially I will bless you in your marriage I will bless you in your life I will bless you with the power to overcome the devil himself and the power of the evil one and the power of his schemes it will no longer have control of you and when you sign that dotted line you now have a legal binding position in the kingdom of God to stand and look at the enemy and say actually I choose to not allow my body to be an instrument of sin. 
It's a decision that you and I, just like a muscle, have to begin to teach ourselves to do. Even though we are set free, we still have struggle. We still have challenges. We're spiritual people, but our physical side does not change. We are made transformed in our spiritual realm, but in the natural side, it still exists. Often we believe, if I become a follower of God, I'm not going to struggle anymore. I'm not going to have any problems anymore. And yes, God can heal you right now. God can heal you of addiction. God can heal your body. God can heal your mind. But the reality of the matter is, life does not just become cream pie and pumpkins. It becomes challenging because now we understand that the life I used to live, I have to say no to. I cannot choose that any longer. Your physical body does not change. And look what Romans 6.16 says on our next verse. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. That word death there does not imply physical death. It implies spiritual See, Ryan, why do I feel so disconnected from God? Why are my relationships are falling apart? Why do I feel like I go on this cycle, this process where I go for God and I fall and 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 I go for God and I fall? It's because you're giving uh, permission for this cycle to happen. We need to step back and remind yourself, I have power to choose. I don't have to live like this. I don't have to succumb to the temptation and the desire that's put in front of me. It's very hard, but by the power of God, he enables us to say no to unrighteousness and say yes to God. And that is when you will begin to experience the life that God intended for you. That's what God wants to get you to on this journey where we begin to say no to ourselves and we begin to choose yes for the kingdom of God. It says in Galatians 5.1, stand in this freedom. That word stand, there to take a fixed position, to be stationary and persevere. I realized something as a few years ago, I was reading a book called uh, Truly Free by Robert Morris. I realized something that if you're here today and you've been struggling with a, uh, a, a bondage for a long time, not just for a few years, not just for a few moments, but you've been really struggling with something in your life for a long time. I had an epiphany in my own personal journey. I used to think that there was just something wrong with me. God made a bad batch of Ryans. <laughs> and that my wiring was wrong. Now, there is some rewiring I had to do, and it comes through the reading of Scripture. And there was some areas about my character and personality that the Holy Spirit had to begin to change. But you have to understand something. If you've been in this kind of pit of, uh, of obstacle or hindrance in your life for a long period of time, you have to consider that that could be the devil. If it's happening for a long time, we don't even realize it. We want to put it out of our mind because we're such natural people. We don't even consider that this thing that I'm dealing with, yeah, it has a lot to do with your decisions. And yes, it has a lot to do with your wiring. And yes, there's some things you got to do as an individual. Yes, 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 yes. But 
There also is an enemy of your soul who actually could be putting you in this place where you are, you're so used to saying yes. You're so used to living that way. You're so used to thinking that way. It could actually be necessary for you to have a moment with God where he changes something in your heart and in your mind and in your life. He transforms you forever. You have to recognize that that reality in your life could not just be you. It could be something deeper. When I, a few years ago, I had a, I had this big bondage in my life, this, this deep, deep fear of death. I don't know why, but just over time, I begin to get worried. I actually begin to question eternity, question heaven and hell. I thought, you know, it's kind of, seems far-fetched. How do I wrap my brain around that? And I had this deep, deep fear of death. And I just begin to make decisions in life that would be safe. And I, I, I wanted, I began to think that this life was all I ever had. And so I just, I had to live for every, I love my family and my wife so much. I, did, I didn't want to give up. And I just, it, it completely caused me to be incapacitated in my ability to function as an individual because I was in so much fear. I was sitting in a room one day and someone, we're having a prayer meeting and the person said, Ryan, I just sense you need to stand up and there's some fears you're dealing with. You need to speak it out. I said, well, that's super prophetic. And as I sat there, I stood up and I said, I have a deep fear of death. He said, say it again. I said, I have a deep fear of death. He said, say it again. I have a deep fear of death. I shouted it out. And in that moment, it was almost like I had this epiphany that the enemy had been planting this seed in my mind for so long What's the best thing that, that, a, that a missionary or a pastor or that we need on this planet? We need to believe that I need to give it all for the kingdom of God because I get to live the afterlife with Jesus Christ. The enemy wants to get us thinking that there is no afterlife or there is no eternity or there's nothing to live for, so all I live for is me. And in that moment, that was one of the moments the Lord confirmed to me that it was time to start a church. That was one of the moments in my heart when all these things began to come into my mind. I had a moment with God where I had spiritual freedom. He transformed me. I wept, I wept and wept and wept until finally I came up out of this moment and I realized, oh my gosh, there was bondage in my life. It wasn't just me. The enemy had a role to play in that. And you need to recognize today that the enemy might be having some of these, you caught up in some of these bondages. I want to end today on just this last thought here about the people of Israel. They're kind of a good example. They're a good example of of this kind of whole idea of an encounter with God and the choice of God. Moses, a young man, I won't tell you his whole story. You've probably heard it many times. But it was a time when the people of Israel had been held captive in Egypt. They were, they were enslaved in Egypt. And God wanted to get the people out. He wanted to redeem them and take them into the promised land. So God came to Moses and said, okay, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to beg Pharaoh to let him go. And he tried all these times and all these things happened, locusts and, and grasshoppers or whatever and all these things and all these things happened until finally God said, okay, something's gonna happen in your life. Some, something's gonna happen for you guys. I'm gonna do something so tremendously challenging for, the people, for, the, for Egypt and for Pharaoh that they're gonna have to let you go. I'm going to send a death angel through the city and every firstborn child is going to die. All I need you to do is I need you to take the blood of a spotless lamb and I need you to put it over the door frame of your home. Spread this blood all over the door frame of your home so when the death angel comes, when the, the anger and the wrath of God comes upon these people, you'll be able to be in a house protected by the blood of a spotless lamb. The death angel came through the town and every firstborn child died that night 
who wasn't, who did not have the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the lamb over their life. And after that, Moses led the people to the Red Sea. And the people were afraid because they had to cross into the promised land, cross over the Red Sea. And they were afraid because the Egyptians now were angry and coming after them and wanted to destroy them. Look what Moses said to them. He said, listen, Moses answered, the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to stand still. What had happened? Moses brought his staff out. He slapped the Red Sea, went across the water. The waves crashed down upon the Egyptians. And from that day forward, they never, ever saw the Egyptians again. See, that's the encounter moment that when you're in a moment of God and you've got an area of bondage in your life in the presence of Jesus Christ, he says, listen, Ryan, you're never going to see a fear of death ever and I had this moment where I experienced a moment, an encounter with God, and he wants to do the same thing in your life. But the story is not over yet. The people of Israel went through the desert for two more years, and it was only going to take them two years to go into the promised land. Here they are, about to walk into their destiny, about to walk into the things God had for them, about to walk in. And Moses sent spies into the land, and they went in, and they looked at the land. They looked at everything that God had for them, this life that God wants for them, this marriage and these children and this blessed finances and this areas of life and fulfillment and purpose in my life and freedom from all of these things, the purpose, land, the promised land of God. And the spies came back, and they said this about the land. They gave Moses his account. We went into the land which he sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. It is really great, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there, Goliath's brothers and sisters. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So here they are, the border of their destiny, the border of breakthrough in their life, and they realize that, okay, my Egyptians, I'm never going to see those Egyptians again, but there will be giants in your life. For you to get to where God wants you to go, for you to experience the life that God intends for you, listen to what I'm saying to you, for you to experience spiritual freedom, the freedom that Christ intends for you, you're going to have giants that you're going to have to defeat. You're standing on the very border of what God has for you. And every time a giant comes up, every time a boundary comes up, every time a challenge comes up, you, you, fear comes over you and you don't press through or whatever it might happen in your life, but you don't press through. And the people of Israel that day, they chose not to step in and fight the giants. And they spent the next 38 years wandering in the desert. I don't want to be 75 years old and look back at my life and think to myself, man, why didn't I just trust the Lord in that? Why didn't I just turn my heart to God in that? Why didn't I just choose to be truly free? Why didn't I just accept what Jesus had for me? Why didn't I just do that 38 years later, walking around in the desert, waiting for God to do something, if I just would have made a decision at that moment to accept what Christ was giving me, I would have walked in two years into my journey. I would have been on the road, on the journey. There's going to be giants that you have to face in your life. There's going to be lots of ites that you're going to have to face in your life. And you've got to choose every single day, every single moment. Not only is it an encounter with God, we will never see those things again, but there are some things in your life. I've experienced these giants in my life. I can celebrate with you today. 
I've experienced what it's like to walk into the promised land and experience that giant look him right in the eye and say, I'm not going to give you permission in my life today. And seen tremendous breakthrough in areas of my life. Experienced joy that was unlocked in me and peace that I never felt before and fulfillment and happiness that I never ever thought I could have. All because I decided I choose today that I am going to accept the legal position that I have in Christ. They ended up going into the promised land 38 years later. And I want to read one last scripture and then we're going to worship. Just a scripture to encourage you as we end. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Romans chapter 8. Let's read this together. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? No way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They killed us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. <laughs> Come on, would you close your eyes? Lord, we just, today we choose. We choose not only to position ourselves for a holy moment with you, but we choose today that, Father, we accept what you've given us we accept the life you've given us. We accept this freedom. We accept it. And Lord, I pray you would give us the courage and the strength and the power and the ability to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with these giants in our lives. For those in the room who've tried hard after time after time after time to defeat these ites, to defeat the, the sons of Anak, today I pray for a fresh confidence and a fresh ability and a fresh power and a fresh faith to believe that, Lord, we can conquer these giants through Christ. We don't have to live in bondage any longer. Lord, I speak to every chain in this room, every chain of fear, every addiction, every worry. I speak to it right now, and I sever that tie in the name of Jesus Christ right now. Lord, we celebrate freedom this morning that in Jesus Christ, we are free. Come on, church. Let's just worship for a few moments as we end our time here this morning. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.